Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is here with VolQuest.com's Brent Hubs and Austin Price. Game Week is here as well. Chad, uh, less than a week from now, we'll be in... Well, a week from now, we will be broadcasting live in Knoxville, Thursday and Friday of next week. Hopefully, we'll have these two guys, our next guest, so. on with us live next Friday, where we're going to be broadcasting. But, yes, Thursday and Friday in Knoxville. Crazy to think that we're six days away from kickoff. It is. We welcome in Brent Hubs and Austin Price from VolQuest.com. Gentlemen, hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing well. Uh, these are going to be six long days, I think. It's, uh, it's time for this team to play and sort of see what you got. Um, I, I'm tired of sort of answering the, well, I think, or I'm not sure. Um, it's just, it's time to, Austin, it's time to see what this offense is really about, what it can do, what the quarterback can do, and uh, start to find some of the answers to the questions everybody's had all spring and summer long. Yeah, it's been a grueling off season uh, for everybody in the program, involved in the program, around the program, covering the program. Uh, it's been a long time since Tennessee played a football game, and I think everybody's just ready to turn the page. So much has happened over the last seven, eight months. Um, I think everybody just wants to, you know, get between the white lines and just kind of immerse themselves in a, you know, 60-minute football game and, and not worry about everything else that's going on. Guys, you, you guys have, have certainly been around several season-opening kickoffs. What, what is the mood and the energy level like this week in Knoxville? Well, I think it's excitement, you know, because it is new. Um, excitement within the program. I think from a fan standpoint, Austin, there's continues to be a good bit of just wait and see approach. Uh, they've been through so many of these, you know, that that it's not to say that there's not enthusiasm, there's not intrigue, uh, but you know, I think it's a little more of wade in the water than it is jump off the high dive, you know, deep into everything right now. Um, now, as the week progresses, it'll get it'll get more revved up for a lot of people, but uh, I don't think anybody's doing the triple Lindy right now off the high dive because it's a little <laughs> bit, you know, there's just been so much. This fan base has been through so much. It's not Josh Heupel's fault. He's not done anything wrong. The administration's not done anything wrong in this in this change. It's just fans are like, again, you know, a little bit of again. And, and that's why there's more curiosity I think, than there is anything for, for the start of this season, Austin. That's exactly right. If Tennessee uh, goes out and they beat Bowling Green, beat Pittsburgh, and beat Tennessee Tech, then a bunch of those fans are going to jump right back in the, in the deep end. There won't be any more wading in the water. It'll be fully immersed. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I think early on it is a wait-and-see approach. It's been that way really all off season, in my opinion, just based off the fact that, you know, these fans, <laughs> I think, feel – more more vulnerable than ever and so they don't want to put themselves out there and, and kind of go all heads in on a on a on a coach and a team that you know you know they're just not sure about at this point so brent i want to start with you on this one but I want both of you guys to chime in we'll be there next week in knoxville and we'll be at the game what is a good number from an attendance standpoint for this first game on a thursday night given thursday night given bowling green but also given that it is the debut of a new coach 
What do you expect? What do you think is a good, reasonable attendance figure for Tennessee next Thursday? Brent, let's start with you. Oh, I'm, I'm the worst at numbers and what, you know, what, I mean, Tennessee will announce a, an inflated number, I'm sure, because they always have. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> if, if they've got, uh, Austin, if they've got 75, 80,000 fans, I think they would be elated with where that thing is at right now. And there'll be some walk up to it, but, um, you know, that, that would be kind of the number for me, would, would be around 80,000, I think, is, is on a Thursday night, is, is a good opener against an opponent that, you know, you're, you're what, five touchdowns favored over at this point in time, you know, and, and it's not the easiest travel situation. I think Tennessee would be privately elated if that were the number. Man, I was going low, a lot lower than I was. I was going to say 90,000. <laughs> he goes 75 to 80. Um, I, I'll stick with my number. I'll go 90. I just think night games bring people out. Even though it's on a Thursday night, night games bring people out. Way more uh, enticed to go to a night game, I think, if you're a fan, than you are at noon, which is the following two games against Pitt and Tennessee Tech. So Thursday's not ideal, but any of those fans that want to come have had several months to plan, and you know I think that they will try to be there uh, you know, six days from now. Well, it's a good point you make about the noon start because had this game not been moved to Thursday night, Tennessee would have opened their season at noon on Saturday against Bowling Green, and it'll be about 90. I mean, I mean, you know, it would have been in the mid-90s for kickoff on, on Saturday, I'm sure, like it's going to be this Saturday. So I think that was part of the interest in moving it is uh, for the fans who are there, I think it's going to be a better little bit of a better atmosphere just from the weather standpoint. I'm not sure anybody was elated about an opening kickoff at noon in the heat um, you know, I think that the idea of playing at night, getting on a stage, getting some some more TV publicity out of it made a lot of sense. And then there were some other, you know, recruiting advantages that came out of it. You know, a little bit of a camp advantage. It gave them a couple more days of camp before classes started. So there was some football things that were a positive to it. And I think there was an administration feeling that, hey, it's it's a more benefit to the fans from a weather standpoint as well. I know the vast majority of what you guys are able to tell us, tell your readers, comes from your reporting, not what you're able to actually see at practices. But I was interested, you, you wrote that, uh, that Heupel's practice structure may be a little interesting in terms of what you're allowed to view in a game week. Traditionally, I, I suspect at the college level, too, practice kind of builds. You start with the individual period, which is a position practicing, and builds from there. But you said that he starts sometimes with full team stuff, and that would kind of affect maybe what you're allowed to see at the beginning. What, what can you tell us about that practice structure and how it might affect your access? Well, we'll see. I mean, obviously, we haven't had any access this week at all, and um, I, I don't think we're going to get any access next week. Uh, with it being, you know, Monday being late in the, in the game week preparation. So I don't anticipate any access to, to Pittsburgh at the earliest if we get that. It's to my understanding that there are times that they jump into um, some, some schematic stuff right out of the gate. And, and sometimes we'll do some of their developmental individual stuff at a different point in time in practice. It's just kind of what they feel like they need at that point in game week where they're at in game week. So uh, it was explained to me that there would be times that if there was, quote, a viewing opportunity, it might be midway through practice as opposed to the start of practice just because the way he changed th- changes things up. I don't know exactly how that looks or why he does that, uh, but that certainly seems to be that the vibe is that they're, you know, maybe they go out on Monday and there's some early corrections that are more team-like corrections to schematics. Uh, and then as you get to Wednesday and Thursday, they jump more into 
uh, game planning prep, uh, Austin, and a little less some of that individual. They do individual work. I don't want people out there to suggest they're not doing player development, but how they start practices sometimes are a little bit different. And we saw that in fall camp. There were times they jumped into some schematic things that it was, you know, it was different than a normal, hey, we're going to go through, um, you know, this just fundamental work, this fundamental period to start practice every day. Well, and I think that, you know, the way he structures his week from a standpoint of like Thursday is uh, basically on a pseudo off day. It's a walkthrough, um, whereas Friday, which is normally your walkthrough day, they'll actually get a sweat in and, and, and do some physical activity in practice. And it won't just be just kind of out there and the old school jumpsuit and just kind of walking through things and you're out there for 20 or 30 minutes. It'll be a, a much more involved, uh, you know, get together, practice, however you want to call it on Friday. Um, so like the, the way it's structured throughout the week um, is interesting. You know, Brent's right. If we don't get access the pit week, I don't think they'll get it all year. And that, at that point, Brent, correct me if I'm wrong, would be the first time in school history that practice would be closed in season. Um, you know, I don't count last year. That was different because no, no practice was open across college football, but they are this year. Yeah, Austin. I mean, that, that would be the first that I'm aware of. Austin Price and Brent Hubbs with us, VolQuest.com. So let's talk quarterback. That's a question on the mind of every Vols fan, and I know you guys uh, have consistently reported it looks like Joe Milton getting the majority of reps. Is this Joe Milton's job against Bowling Green? In my opinion, it is. Now, I'll, be, I'll be surprised if he's not the starter. Now, how it goes after that, we'll wait and see. But it, in my, I will be surprised if he's not the first quarterback out there. I'll also be surprised if Tennessee announces who a quarterback is before he walks out there. Why Joe Milton uh, over the other two guys vying for this, this spot? Well, for, for me, I, I think it's a situation where um, he, he has the most physical tools that they're looking for, the ability to do things with his legs. He's got strength. He's got great arm strength. Throw the ball down the field. I think he's a, you know, has spent a lot of time learning this offense this summer. His investment into it's been pretty significant. Uh, he obviously, the first two games a year ago at Michigan, threw for over 300 yards. And I think when they look at the, the physical traits, he fits all of that. And, and I think he's a guy who, through his work this summer, Austin, has earned the trust of his teammates as well. Yeah, I think ultimately Joe went out and won this job. But had it been apples to apples, Chad, I think he was automatically going to win the apples to apples argument because he does what they want to do well, throw it down the seam, throw it over the top, um, you know, stretch the field. And so, again, they weren't just going to give it to him just because. But as long as he was on par with the others or better, he was going to be Tennessee's starting quarterback, in my opinion. And, and, you know, has he been perfect in fall camp? No, but he's been every bit as good, if not better, than the other two. Brent, I know we, we've had this as a topic discussion before, uh, but now that we're in game week, speaking of the quarterbacks, if, if Joe Milton's the starter, is he the guy, or is there a chance? What, what percentage chance would you put? Is it 50-50 that we see more than one quarterback on Thursday night? Well, that's 100%. Well, I think – I mean, 100%. I think it's probably 100% you see multiple quarterbacks because I think Tennessee is going to handle Bowling Green. I, I think now the next week against Pitt, I think that's a different story. Uh, and so I, I think because of the competition next week, I'm with Austin, they're going to play multiple quarterbacks against Bowling Green. Uh, but in terms of what Josh Heupel wants to do, he, he wants one guy. 
he wants one quarterback. He wants to play one quarterback. Uh, he does not want to go into a game where it's like, okay, in the third series, we're going to play this guy. Do they have a specialty package for something at some point? Maybe, but I don't think that, that their plan is, hey, let's go play multiple guys here. They want one guy to, to go and run with this job. And if Joe Milton goes out and performs well and takes care of the football, um, then, then I think he's going to be the guy. Um, if, if they're playing multiple quarterbacks, that means Joe Milton's struggling. Austin, let, let me ask you this way, because you're right. I mean, in, in 100% we'll see more than one quarterback. If Hendon Hooker enters the game against Bowling Green and plays well, does that give them more options going into Pittsburgh, or is this Joe Milton's job? Well, I think it gives them – if he plays well, I think it just continues to solidify that, you know, they have multiple guys they can count on. Um, same thing with Harrison Bailey, if, if it were to be Harrison Bailey – um, you know, I think ultimately you want to feel like you've got one set guy as your guy, but feel comfortable with the people behind him in case there was an injury or you had to go in a different direction for whatever reason. Um, the person you're bringing in has the confidence of the coaches and the team. And so I think Hendon does have that. Honestly, Hendon may actually have the most leadership skills because of his experience at Virginia Tech of any of the quarterbacks in that room. So the weirdest moment – uh, of the week uh, at, at media availability was the offensive coordinator acting like he doesn't know who's calling plays for this Tennessee team. Uh, that really caught me off guard, guys. And, and I'll, Brent, I'll start with you on this one. Josh Heupel's calling plays, right? I don't understand what all the mystery was about when Alex Golish acted like they don't know who's going to call plays. Well, you got to remember two days earlier, Josh Heupel wouldn't confirm who was calling plays. Adam Sparks asked the same question to Josh Heupel, and he kind of danced around that question and then Alex Golish kind of danced around it yeah I mean look I mean I think there's a con- collaboration you know I think when the defense is on the field Alex Golish and Josh Heupel are talking about things they like talking about things that that work and that don't work uh, but I think ultimately Josh Heupel's calling you know plays he's, he's running this offense it's his offense um, and, and so I, I think that um, Golish has a, a, a real voice in what they're doing and, and what they're going to run and some things they want to get to. Uh, but, I mean, I, Josh Heupel's not standing on the sidelines with his headphones on, Austin, listening to play calls and, and go, okay. He might do that on the defensive side, but that's not how it's going on the offensive side. Yeah, 100% agree. I, I don't really understand it either. I don't understand why, we've not, why Tennessee's not named a quarterback. I mean, while we're still sitting here with – you know, yep. playing that song and dance when, you know, if you just look at their social media, um, you know, one guy is promoted way more than the others. I mean, it just it just doesn't make any sense. Like, like this isn't like selling secrets to the Russians, guys. This is we're not reinventing the wheel here. You know, Josh Heifel walked in the door, told the offense and told the team that he is the offensive play caller. He did that when he took the job seven months ago. Nothing's changed since then. He'll call the plays next Thursday. Alex Golish will be involved. He will absolutely have an influence on some of the play calls. But the guy that's you know calling them up and dialing or dialing them up and calling them in will be Josh Heupel. Much like Joe Milton will start the game, and we'll see what happens from there. Heupel said he wants these three guys kind of feeling poor, hungry, and desperate. The quarterbacks. I was just hoping you could kind of contextualize how you felt like the quarterbacks felt last year uh what's what's the difference in in mindset (laughs) well i think he was meaning that in a context uh well he didn't say that alex gola said that i think that was in a context of this week 
when talking about the quarterback competition and what they wanted the competition. I think that was an answer to my question uh, where I asked him to paint a picture of what the quarterback competition has been like for the last month and certainly this week as well. And I think he wanted all of those guys to understand that it's an open competition and you got to go win it. Um, you know, Joey Halsley, the quarterback's coach, talked about this when he met the media the first week of fall camp. He did not want a guy to be conservative with the idea of kind of it maybe it falls to him because everybody else is making mistakes. He wanted the quarterbacks to go out there and rip it, you know, and he wanted them to compete every day. And I think that's been the mindset that they've tried to, to, to convey. And I think that's how that quarterback competition has went. You got to go out and win it and earn it. You're not going to win it by default because somebody else struggles. Don't go, don't go playing that game. Go play like, you know, you're whatever, you're hungry and poor and desperate or whatever the, the phrase is and, and go win the job. I, I think that was the approach. I don't think that's the approach once you get into season. I think that's been the approach during fall camp and the competition that they wanted them to take. I will go with catatonic, sad, and uh, <laughs> last year. <laughs> I, I just moved on from last year, man. I, I don't. I don't think you can describe quarterback play last year for tenant. I mean, you know, oh, you it can describe like, it, Brand. There are plenty of adjectives you can use to describe it. it. It felt like somebody was playing the roulette wheel when they decided who to put out what series. You know, it's like when Spend you get a the dial, and they have the spin. You get the free nuggets versus the and ice cream. And it's Brian Mauer. <laughs> get out there, no, son. It's not Brian Mauer. <laughs> oh, that was what it was a year ago. It's a Arkansas. Let's get Mauer out there. That's a good good spot for him to be in. Um, which is it's funny to think about. But when you guys offensively on the line, you know, if you're looking at maybe spots where Tennessee is undervalued a bit, I don't think that depth is good on the offensive line. But I look at the five starters and I do think they may have something decent on, on the offensive line. When you look at the guys that they're going to probably trot out there against Bowling Green. Austin, I'll start with you on this one. What do you think about the first five on the offensive line and maybe how that compares to where they're a little bit thin with depth? Well, I think what you'll see is Darnell Wright, left tackle, Carvin, left guard, Cooper Mays, center, Spragans, right guard, and Cade Mays, right tackle. And if there is an injury, it will be Cade Mays who slides around. If there's an injury at guard, Cade Mays will slide to guard, which will bring in Dane Davis at tackle so on and so forth. And that's how I think this thing plays out is Cade, while he's not your sixth lineman, he's your swing guy, Brent, and he's a guy that's going to move around, slide around. Now, if they have multiple injuries along the offensive line, that will get interesting at that point as to what decision they decide to go with. Yeah, I think that I think this line, you know, has some experience. They've got some talent. This was a line that was supposed to be really good a year ago. You know, they, they brought back a veteran in Brandon Kennedy who had played a lot. Obviously, Trey Smith was practicing more than he had. Kay Mays is coming in from Georgia. You know, they were supposed to be the strength of the offense a year ago, and uh, they weren't. Now, this is a new offense, a new system. Um, we'll see. I mean, they are bringing back some experience. I, I think their first five are pretty solid. I think there's still some growing pains for Darnell right there. There'll be some growing pains for Cooper Mays against some real big guys. Um, but, you know, I think it, it's going to – how they develop with Glenn Ellerby in this offense will be pretty interesting because I don't think that they developed very well the last couple of years, even though they had some talent there. So we'll see what that development looks like. 
Brent Hubbs and Austin Price with us as we broadcast live from our 6th and Peabody studios here in Nashville. Tennessee game week is here as they take on Bowling Green. Brent, I'll start with you and Austin. Please chime in as well. What position, and maybe you, you've, you've touched on it a bit, maybe not. What position group, Brent, are you most comfortable with right now as they begin their season? Which position group gives you the most concern? Probably offensively, probably most comfortable at running back. Um, I like that group. Defensively, I, I'm, I've been holding the flag up for the secondary. I, I'm probably more comfortable with the secondary on defense uh, than I am anywhere else because of their experience. And I think Willie Martinez is a good coach who can get the confidence back in that group. Um, so that, that would probably be the, the two places that I would be um, probably the most comfortable about this team heading it. Now, running backs, it depends on how your offensive line plays up front, mm -hmm. right? You know, we've yep. all talked about offensively. It's going to depend on how your quarterback plays and, and how that goes. In the secondary, they need some pass rush and everything else to help them. But I think those two positions are probably, when I look at the roster, where I'm most comfortable with this football team. Comfortable? Agree. I think it's running back. Um, I actually would go defensive line on the defense uh, with secondary closely behind that. And then – not comfortable at all. I'm not comfortable at all with tight ends because I don't think they have any depth there at all. Although I think you can match that as much as you will put, you know, three, four, five wide receiver sets out there. And then um, not comfortable with the linebackers until they show it. Because, I mean, I know they're, they're much better than where they were in the spring, but they are not uh, proven by any stretch um, in, in my mind as far as the totality of the group. I'll tell you another place where I'm pretty comfortable with this team is with their kickers. You know, that, that's something, I mean, they, they have not been talked about the entire fall camp, which is a good thing. I, I think that Paxton Brooks is, is obviously a mainstay for them to flip the field as a kickoff guy and, and a punt guy. And I think Chase McGrath has is, is solidified them at the place kicker spot. So uh, that's another position that I would be comfortable with them at is, is where they are with actually kicking the ball in special teams. Guys, you know, with all the bad that's happened with Tennessee football in the last two decades and all the twists and turns and everything else that happened, the one thing that Tennessee fans could rely on, it felt like, was the opening game of the season against an inferior opponent, Tennessee will handle business and avoid the big letdown. Then Georgia State happened. Georgia State. Two years ago. <laughs> and, that, and then that changed everything to where – even now, the most diehard of Tennessee fans goes into the game against Bowling Green and just thinks to themselves, what if? What does Bowling Green have that we're not seeing that could prevent Tennessee from winning this game easily? With Georgia State, it was mobile quarterback. That's always an X factor in a game. Guys, I have done my research on Bowling Green, believe it or not, and I am looking up and down that roster and their current situation. They had 38 players leave in the transfer market after last year. They're starting, I think, 16 freshmen out of their 22 players. They're predicted to go 1-11 in the MAC and predicted to be dead last. Is there anything I'm missing with Bowling Green and something that Tennessee fans should be concerned about with this team? No. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Now, but but also, would you have said the same thing about Georgia State going into that game? Yes. Uh I would not have said the exact same thing, uh, but they weren't much better the year before, but they did have a few flashes, and, and I think they were a little more solidified at quarterback. Um, you know, again, I, they've prepared for Bowling Green, which is more than they did for Georgia State. Well, and here, here's the other thing. I mean, 
this is an opening game where Tennessee should. I'm with Austin. No, I know Bowling Green's got a new court, defensive coordinator, and you're going to hear that talk about how there's unknowns there and, and that stuff. Th- this is about Tennessee uh, this week. I mean, this is – I mean, and it was, Georgia State was about Tennessee. I mean, you, you go back to those clips where, you know, guys were completely misaligned on defense. They didn't, they didn't line up on one side of the defensive line. Um, you know, guys were lost and, and, and totally unprepared. And, and this is about Tennessee being prepared. This is about Tennessee taking care of the football. This is about Tennessee taking care of themselves. And they should take care of themselves and take care of business in this game. So, um, you know, as long as, as long as Tennessee takes care of themselves, there's nothing to worry about in this. Austin, we'll start with you. And then, Brent, give us your answer as well. Maybe it's the same. Who's a returning player that which, with this new coaching staff you can't wait to see play compared to the way they played with the old staff? Man, that's, that's, that's a good question. I'm interested to see how Tyler Barron is, um, you know, being coached by Rodney Garner and Mike Eckler. Um, you know, it's easy to say a lot of these newcomers, but guys that have been here, um, I, I would go Tyler Barron and then – on the other side, I would lean offensive line, Darnell Wright. I think that he's had a great offseason. Yep, I would go Darnell Wright on offense. Defense for me is Trayvon Flowers. I think Trayvon Flowers is a guy who has um, got one career interception, I think four or five pass breakups in his entire career, and he's played a ton of football. I think Trayvon Flowers is going to have a – a really nice year and, and really be a much different type player. So I'm going Trayvon Flowers is a guy who I think um, has helped this. Now, I would say this too about all the defensive linemen because they weren't they didn't have a coach last year, and so I think those that that are going to be totally different, you know, because they've got Rodney Garner coaching them and has been coaching them for months now. Where they you know went through a year last year, you know, a new coach comes in, they get one day on the practice field with him in spring ball, and then they go into COVID. And then he, you know, Jimmy Brumball can't coach him or be around him and all the COVID things throughout the summer. And then obviously he was fired two games into the season. So I think that group in general, because they have a coach coaching them every day, but one individual on defense that I'm pretty anxious to see who I think is going to have a big year is Trayvon Flowers. Guys, on cue in our YouTube chat, uh, someone said uh, Bowling Green's about to come out in a 10-1 defense in this game (laughs) just to throw Tennessee for a loop, which made me laugh. Uh, Walter Nolan uh, doesn't make anyone in high school laugh, that's for sure. Austin, I know you had his game last night on your Thursday night uh, television package against Maryville. Uh, what did you see in Walter Nolan? And I know you had an interesting tidbit Good game about his top three and his college choices and how Tennessee would mm-hmm. remain in that top three. So what can you tell us about the number one recruit, not just in the state, but maybe in the country? Yeah, I mean, a consensus top five player by all outlets, whether you're talking about rivals 24-7, on three, ESPN, they've all got him in the top five, you know. And, uh, you know, you guys do that segment where you, you do primary complaint. My primary complaint would be to everybody that loves to sit back and nitpick Walter Nolan's game. He's not going to make every tackle on every play. Much like when Ty Simpson drops back the pass, he's not going to throw a touchdown on every play. But yet, you, no matter where you go, you find people that you know want, especially if you're a, a rival high school that love to, well, he's not that good. He didn't make that many plays. Walter disrupted the game and made a lot of plays last night. For Powell against Marable. And uh, he's only going to get better. I mean, he did really nothing all offseason because they were trying to figure out where he was going to play high school football at. So he wasn't a part of the, the offseason program at Powell. 
and uh, didn't do anything with SBA because he was leaving there. So, you know, he's going to get better. He's going to be in better shape as the season goes along. And what he's doing right now through two games, Brent, uh, is really impressive to me because he shows great power in his hands. He shows incredible quickness and twitch. And, uh, you know, again, for a guy his size, can chase plays down from the backside, continues to play hard. And uh, I'm just, again, super impressed by him. Is he perfect? No, but I wouldn't expect him to be having missed all offseason. I can promise you this. Everybody playing against Powell is scheming against him. Nobody's going to line up and run off tackle into his gap or or straight at him. And that's, I mean, Maryville had success running the football last night because they ran wide and tried to run away from him. When they ran at him, it wasn't very pretty. And he was disruptive. I thought he was much better in game two uh, or week two than he was in week one. And um, I get why everybody's in love with, with this guy because he's got uh, you know a potential there to be a really good high-level player. Austin, as for his top three, which seems to be ever-evolving, you believe Tennessee is going to be the main, one of the, main, the only mainstay potentially in that top three throughout this thing, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when he released the top 10, Tennessee wasn't in it, but they had made so much change. Uh, you know, that's why they weren't in it. Insert Rodney Garner. He starts chipping away. Then Tennessee makes the top five. Then he has a final three, the first final three, and, and Tennessee is in it with Florida and A&M. Now he's got a new final three, and Florida has been replaced by Georgia, A&M, and Tennessee have been the constants the last couple of lists that he has put out. I do think A&M right now, as we speak, is the biggest uh, – uh, opposition to Tennessee, but you know, a long way to go to December. And I would venture to say there'll be more twists and turns before we get to the eventual signing of Walter Nolan and more top threes <laughs> or, or potentially add more teams. Our, our, our three goes to five. You're not yeah. sure. I mean, I, I think that's, that's just, that's just the way that that thing's going to go. So many top three plot twists ahead uh, with Walter <laughs> Nolan, no doubt about it. I don't think I've ever asked you this on this show, Austin, but why Powell? Of all places, uh, transferring from Memphis, what led Walter Nolan to Powell? How did he end up with that program? Well, I, that's the question that everybody wants to ask Chad, and and I don't think he, he he's ever going to give a like a like a straight answer. Um, you know, I do think that you know he's known Josh Jones, the offensive coordinator for Powell, dating back to when Josh coached the Future Stars game. So I think there was a comfort level there. Um, I think he wanted to come east. You know, he looked at Maribel, he looked at Catholic, and he looked at Powell. And because of Josh Jones, I think that's why he ended up there. I, I don't think you know the family was crazy about going back into the private league. He had just left St. Benedict and the private school there. So I think that's what kind of derailed him from going to Catholic. But I think it was more he made the decision to come to Knoxville. And in turn, out of picking out of the schools locally, that's how he ended up at Powell. I think there was just a kind of a common tie there with Josh Jones, uh, those two, I think, know, knew each other. Um, and, and then Marlon, you know, Marlon Walls, you know, he's not coaching at Powell or has any affiliation with Powell, but I think, you know, he knew part of that staff and knew Matt Lowe, and I think that was also part of, uh, you know, kind of vouching for, for Matt Lowe as a coach. VolQuest.com's Brent Hubs and Austin Price with us on Outkick 360 from our 6th and Peabody studios. Brent, what, what will be different, what will be noticeable about the overall game day experience for fans next Thursday night at Neyland? More beer. Light show. You're going to have, light sh- you're going to have a light show. Um, the new LED lights are in, and so uh, there will be um, what everybody's kind of doing around the country is one of those deals where you don't have to power the lights up two hours before and 
leave them powered up and it takes them an hour to get warm and all that you can turn them off you can turn them on with, with the led stuff so you'll see that with colors and and some different things that way that they will play with um, there'll be more uh, pyrotechnics fireworks at, at the uh, opening of the tee those will not be across the river uh, those will be more on top of the stadium on the press box type deal so they'll be they'll feel like they're closer because they are closer I, I was told kind of similar to something like what maybe Penn State does in their open uh, that you'll okay. see there. Um, they're putting signs up in the corridors that say, I will give my all to Tennessee for fans to, to smack as they walk into their seats, which I think is kind of a cool thing to do. That's I, Whoever came up with that one, I'll give them a, I, I give a tip of the cap to that one. Then there's going to be a little uh, adult-friendly um, uh, concession stand outside of uh, Neyland Stadium right at the, the south uh, gate as you go up, which is um, something new that's going to be there as well. So a few tidbits, and they're going to do a concert over in the, the Vol Village deal uh, area. So uh, just some some rather easy things to execute. The lights, and, and we mentioned this in the war room, the, the, the reason the lights got done now, lights were coming whether Danny White was going to be the AD or not. That was already on the docket. That's something the previous administration had decided that they were going to do after uh, witnessing them at the Alabama game. They mm-hmm. want of those and they went ahead and pushed through with that started bidding that out with the company so they had already gone through all the protocols that you have to with building commissions and all those things to make those types of changes uh, funding and all that stuff so that was going to happen this year regardless Danny White just made sure that that got done uh, and they decided to go ahead and do that because they knew they could get that one done right out of the gate there's a lot of red tape to go through to do any kind of real construction or any kind of real significant structural changes. We're seeing that in baseball, uh, and, and obviously that, that's part of the reason why a year from now they're going to do the West Side Clubs and they're going to do that sports bar video board there because there was already approval for construction in those areas of the stadium through the State Building Commission. Pretty remarkable that they're doing all this, Brent, fireworks lights and all that just so just for jonathan and chad's arrival next week for the game. <laughs> i mean that's it, really welcome. really rolling out the orange carpet what, if you will let's let's take a behind the, the scenes the, real I mean, quick austin paul, it, real is quick is paul going to come with you i mean is paul going to be uh, here for this deal it's still or, tbd no he well, will not I mean, be with what, us this week no he will not because there's been plans been made <laughs> without him <laughs> what you're telling me is you, he couldn't get his chariot together to get to get hoisted in, and so he's decided to stay home because he can't get the arrival the way he wants. Is that how it's going with Paul for next week? I've also week? got a minor surgical procedure happening. Which is yeah. why he should have no, just said that I, instead of saying TBD. Great, Paul. <laughs> way to make me feel bad, Paul. Thanks, right. buddy. Yeah, You're well, the best. You're Again, welcome. he said TBD to begin this conversation. I, I, will, I will add in that while you were on camera, Brent, and in Austin, Chad looked at me and said, Oh, that that beverage gate is the gate, gate we will it's enter. Neyland State. My, my buddy, my buddy Alan, who I've been going to games with him for years. That is our entry point to get to Section Q, uh, where we'll be sitting. <laughs> and it's also a great spot because it's underneath the second level. So when it's, I mean, it's not going to affect us in this game, but when it's hot outside, it's great for sure. Well, also, let's say this: Perfect that way. if that wasn't his gate, he would have changed his seat, so it was his. <laughs> yeah, gate. we would be entering uh, that, that way either way. <laughs> he will. Uh, he will be at the Truly Lounge before he walks into <laughs> the game. That's what it is. Is, the tr- is, it the, is it the Truly Lounge, or they go with alliteration and go with the Truly Tailgate? 
I can't remember truly which Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, that's right. Truly, truly tailgate. Tennessee, truly tailgate, Tennessee, whatever. Truly inebriated. By the way, right outside of our <laughs> studio right now, there are many trulys being consumed by some bachelorette parties. Yes. The line will be real short, I'm sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, traditional uniforms will be worn Thursday, correct? I mean, fans do, do care about this. Then it'll be the traditional home unis for, for Tennessee. Yes, in my opinion, they'll have an orange over white. Um, I do think Tennessee breaks out those alternate uniforms, those black jerseys at some point. The question is, is what color helmet do they wear with them? What do you think and is the, be- the right helmet for that, in your, your fashion and, uh, opinion? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to defer to Austin on that because it is a fashion question, so <laughs> I've got no answer there. Um, well, you have two options. You can't go white. That just looks bad. Um, Tennessee, the last time they wore black was uh, a disaster wearing the white helmets with that, in my opinion. Uh, you had to go black or you go chrome. I know it's a football game week, but I do have one uh, basketball question I want to ask you guys because you had a great tidbit in the war room today. So Rick Barnes essentially over lunch at an AAU tournament said, you know what I really want is a hard-nosed, tough point guard. And then his staff just went out, oh, I just happened to see a guy later that day who fits a description. And within a few weeks, this guy is now going to be on Tennessee's roster this year, and he's reclassifying. Tell us about Zakai Ziegler from New York City and how Tennessee stumbled name. upon Ziggy. this player. Ziggy. Well, I, I mean, it, it, he stumbled on it basically just how you described it. Tennessee's at the Peach Jam um, down in Georgia. They're watching Brandon Miller, and they're watching these guys who have been on Tennessee's board the whole time. And Rick Barnes always wants to have multiple point guards on his roster. He does not like to carry over a scholarship. He likes to have a full roster, uh, particularly in the day and age of the transfer market. And, you know, felt like they needed a guy for depth. Felt like they needed someone who could push Kennedy Chandler. This Kennedy, Kennedy Chandler is going to be the point guard. Uh, but wanted somebody who would be a multi-year player in, um, in his program. They weren't going to take anybody just to take anybody. But that's, you know, there was, hey, be on the lookout for looking for a point guard. They're watching Brandon Miller play. And, and this guy from New York has, has a great game. I mean, he, he defends and, and plays well, scored, I think, 30 points, played really well against Brandon Miller. And everybody said, hey, let's watch this guy. And so the staff kind of split. They continued to watch Ziegler play and also Brandon Miller, obviously, because he's the focal point. But the more that they watch Ziegler, the more that they're like, this guy's a good fit because he's fast with the ball in his hands. He can play defense, um, you know, and he's a guy who would be, I, I think, a good fit for us um, from a talent standpoint in his game. Let's see if he's a fit culturally for us. So they bring him in for an, uh, an official visit earlier this week and um, get him enrolled in classes right before the head drop deadline, and away we go. And New York's been good to the Vols basketball team. Ernie and Bernie, Tobias Harris, why not Ziggler? Brent, I, I for one, cannot wait to to tune in to the broadcast to hear Pat Ryan's debut in the booth. Uh, This is going to be a blast. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fun, and uh, Pat's been around a good bit, watched practice to get a feel for this team, and um, you'll you'll get some of the you'll get a lot of the same exasperations from Pat that you got from Tim Priest when something doesn't go oh, yeah. well, and then uh, you'll get some entertainment when things go well. And I know Pat's excited to to do it, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. I, my only concern is that Pat's not going to get a lot of airtime because Josh Heupel is going to be snapping a ball every eight seconds. So uh, that'll be our that'll be our biggest adjustment uh, in, in the booth. Is um, in all seriousness because of pace of play. Yeah. You know, you, you got to find the, the moments to try to 
get in a comment or, or, or add some color and some analysis to what's going on. And uh, we'll see how that works and, and get a feel for that um, starting on Thursday night. But, yeah, looking forward to we'll, – we'll miss Tim, but certainly looking forward to Pat being in the booth and uh, uh, looking forward to, to calling his team and seeing what it looks like and what it's all about. Pat needs those lights to malfunction a couple times to give him some, <laughs> some time to talk. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure Pat. I'm sure Pat will love the lights. That'll be entertaining right out of the gate. The first time those things start going. <laughs> so, Brent, my question is: Will will we get a uh, a loud uh, damn it the way we got from Tim Priest? I think it was in the swamp. Was it a was it a false start or a delay a game on the goal line? Oh, no, 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 no. It was it, the pick. If you go back and listen, <laughs> if you could ever find that clip. Tim says the play before, or two plays before, the, the, the most important thing to do right there, the thing you can't do is you can't turn the ball over. you got to take care of the football. you you got to have points there. You can't come away with points. And he basically says, don't throw the slant the wrong way is what he's implying. Like, don't screw up here. And um, they, they throw a pick on a slant on a poorly located ball, and um, that's when you got the spike of the headset, his hands slapped down uh, and, and nearly recorded on the Richter scale uh, in the swamp in terms of uh, how hard he hit the table, and that's where you got the very exasperated damn it from when, uh, <laughs> when that slant went for an interception in Tennessee. got no points at that point uh, because they, you know, they were having a hard time moving the ball, but they had a nice drive down there. You, just, you couldn't turn the ball over, and, and obviously they did that. And Austin found it. Oh, he found course. it. <laughs> it's Let's do it again. Hold on. It's great. Yeah, w- one more time. You got to get really loud for us, though, Austin. We're going to pull that off. Can you not hear it? No, we'll we'll play it another time. We'll, we'll probably get us kicked off YouTube hey, for sharing that with yeah. us, Austin. Uh, it's on YouTube. Austin, well, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, trust the me. rules aren't. It really belongs extensible. to someone else, and it's not us. Austin, I uh, saw your announcement about the new podcast. Tell us about it. Well, it'll be a uh, it'll be in podcast form afterwards, but it'll be a live stream show on camera. Um, it'll be it's called Tennessee Prime every Tuesday night. It'll be Jason Swain every Tuesday night, and then Brent and I will rotate Tuesdays. Um, and 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 it'll be uh, at Gus's world famous fried chicken off Sutherland Avenue. We'll be joined by Joe Milton. We'll be joined by uh, by Cade Mays, and and then other players throughout the year. But every Tuesday night, seven o'clock. Uh, from Gus's World Famous Fried Chicken off Sutherland Avenue, Tennessee Prime. Brent, in case we needed any more confirmation that Joe Milton's the starter, Austin just booked him for the podcast. Of course, of course he did. Because that's, <laughs> that's, Austin, that's Austin doing what Austin does. You know, I mean, listen, Joe Milton's an intriguing story whether he starts quarterback or he doesn't because of where he's at. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that, that's going to be a fun show. It's going to give some great insight uh, from a player perspective and, um, you know, Jason Swain's done a good job uh, with his show, and I, I think it's a natural pairing, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. And um, should be entertaining and fun from from a good location on, on Tuesday night. So, um, you know, just kind of a continue to try to evolve and change and do things as we go along. We're looking forward to that one. Well, are we up to a million dollars yet in the investigation and attorney's fees? 99,000 in the month of July. So um, if they quit doing interviews early in the month, they must have worked around the clock the first week in July to build $99,000 worth. Um, or they've done a whole lot of paperwork for whatever reason. But in the month of July, it was $99,000, which takes them to, um, I think, eight fifty somewhere around there, $850,000 approximately. 
uh, in expenditures, or just not in expenditures, in payments to the third-party legal firm as a part of this investigation that started back in November. Um, I expect that there will be another invoice uh, for work in the month of August as well. And so we'll see if there's ever any closure to this thing anytime soon. This is next level gangster capitalism I'm going to bring up here, guys. But imagine if Tennessee just took that money they paid lawyers and funneled that into some sort of Caribbean account to where they can pay NIL now for recruits. Imagine the recruiting hall they could have if they just funneled that money through some third-party account and used it in NIL instead of paying those lawyers. Could get the football program back a lot quicker. You think that way. I think that Tennessee is just like – the Joker in the Dark Knight when he sets the guy up on top of the mound of cash and then just douses of gasoline lights and lights it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Will they get and, to a million so, or not? Oh, they're getting to a million. Yes. Yeah. Ne- yeah they're, ne- they're, next Thursday, uh, just moments before kickoff, they'll hit a million. It's it's kind of like the old the old McDonald's sign as you know, however many hamburgers sold, you know, the yeah, tally it, keeps yeah, going they, up. And then they like, get to the, a million. The, they're hit, they hit a million and fireworks will go off at the stadium. At the I can't wait time. for the light show. <laughs> and, then Pat Ryan will, and then Pat Ryan will comment. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Ryan's going to be like, damn it. <laughs> hey, guys, appreciate it. Great Game stuff. week is here, and uh, we will uh, hopefully uh, – Austin, uh, I'll check in with you on this. I sent you a text, but hopefully you'll, you'll be able to join us live in Knoxville next week. We'll be broadcasting there for Outkick 360. Are, are you going to be here Friday or Thursday? Both. Both. Both days. Well, I'm, I'm going to be on the whole show. Paul's out. I'm in. Let's go. We hope to have you on Friday to recap uh, the first game. So that, that's our hope if you can make it. I, I hope you're Chad, set up at the you, turn I don't think you somewhere. Heard me, Chad. Chad, I'm doing both days <laughs> the entire show. <laughs> and, Chad, uh, take Chad I hope. I hope on Friday, Chad, that you're set up at the turn somewhere if you want to see Austin Price. <laughs> well, they're probably uh, true. There's not going to be golf, but there will be food. Uh, so I, I know golf is more of an enticement for Austin, but there will be free food involved on Friday. Bring him a sleeve that. of golf balls, maybe. We can Could, do that. Golf's way more of an enticement than food. Uh, it may not look like it when you look at me, but it's still way more of an enticement. Guys, enjoy the weekend of, I know college football kicks off tomorrow, but enjoy the weekend without games, and uh, then we, we kick things off next week. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. You, Appreciate right. you all. Thanks. Yeah. Same to you. VolQuest.com is the website. Great coverage. The best coverage of Tennessee athletics from Brent Hubbs and Austin Price. We'll recap the show, preview what's coming next week. Show announcement next. Outkick 360. I'll kick 360, wrapping up from live at 6 in Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Uh, great to be here. Another week in the books as we broadcast live each and every day from the Outkick 360 studios. And starting Monday, the show will be live every day from 6th and Peabody at 2 p.m. Central, 3 o'clock Eastern. So we go from 11 to now starting at 2. So once upon a time, Howard Stern was breaking down a piece of audio, political commentary or whatever. And as he does, he, he was pausing. He said, who's this guy? Where's he on? What's his time slot? His time slot might have been like 11 to 2. That was our time slot once upon yeah, a time. midday. And he was like, how long has this guy been on 11 to 2? And midday, then they, yes. they were saying like uh, uh, 10 years. And he goes, 
who's on from 11 to 2 for 10 years? I mean, you've got to stink if you're on from 11 to 2 for 10 years. If you're any good, you, you get moved to, to a drive time slot. I, I repeated this to bosses that we had when we were campaigning <laughs> yes, to be did. brought we to a, a better yeah. time slot. I said, this is, this is how it works. And when we were on in that time slot with a clearly inferior show on in the better afternoon time slot that we wanted. So uh, we appreciate you being with us in this time slot in our previous incarnation and now in this brief incarnation. But we're thrilled to be on in what qualifies as afternoon drive, which has been a goal of ours for a long time. So we look forward to you coming with us there where we will provide you a quality alternative in Nashville to, to stuff that's not good, and um, we're, which will be our, our permanent home and a place we've aspired to be for a long, long time. You know, I can't complain too, too much because there was midday in the name of our old show, but there was always this sort of Stigma. looking down upon way in which people would refer to us as the midday guys. Right, the midday guys. Well, that's gone away now that we're Outkick 360. Thank God for that. Um, but we are now officially starting Monday, not quote unquote midday guys. Three to six Eastern, two to five Central. We are going to continue to hammer this home all weekend leading up to Monday's show. But we're excited. And it's not just about Nashville. This is a regional show. This is a build to something big with Outkick and Fox. And we, we cannot wait to unveil more with that. Uh, the Tennessee Power Hour will stick around as well, so don't worry about that. We're still going to focus on Titans, Preds, Vols, and everything in between, Commodores, and, and local coverage uh, and regional coverage. We promise to talk SEC and NFL football every day of the year. Big part of this also, Hutton, I'm glad you brought this up. This isn't our last announcement. We've been making a few lately. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Us moving to this studio at 6th and Peabody was phase two in a five-phase plan to take over, and we're just getting started. Also, three hours. People have been complaining about, hey, when are you guys going to move away from – it's only two hours. I want more. I want more. Three hours starting Monday. Not just the time change, but we'll be on three hours. And like you said, Hutton, for fans in the state of Tennessee and Nashville, we're not going to lose that, the roots with that, and we're going to continue no matter what doing at least an hour a day on local coverage. And that three hours allows us to do some of the things that we haven't been doing that we have missed also. Expand. Interviews, big topics that we get into for a longer time, a lot of the things that make us what we can be as a show. We're excited to do that. Stuff. A lot of hard work behind the scenes. Shout out to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, uh, and David Reed, the chairman of the board, uh, for making it happen this week and every week moving forward. We are back at it on Monday across the Outkick Network. We will be live 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central with Outkick 360. In the meantime, don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.